Hello everybody and welcome to part two of Dale Uderman's Orms Air Conversation. In the second part of Dale's interview, we discuss leaving South Africa for LA and London, Dale's personal experience within his musical journey, as well as his experience photographing musical legend Frank Zappa. If you're interested in hearing more about Dale's documentary work, please check out the previous episode. But for now, grab a cup of coffee and join us in conversation. You're listening to Orms Air, the Orms podcast, an open space where we discuss everything photographic and invite you to step inside our world of photography. For over 20 years, Orms has been the creative's go-to for all things photographic. From the best gear to breathtaking display options, visit ormsdirect.co.za for everything you need. Let's get chatting with Dion Hubert and Rachel Reeves. I think where we left off was we spoke, we were speaking about accessibility. Yeah. Yes, okay. So um, where the sort of shift in, in technology and specifically with your um, Life Under Democracy series, where you um, sort of were, were playing or testing how accessibility changes from using a smartphone versus a sort of bulky camera as most photojournalists would use. Yes. In that situation. So how uh, how um, have you sort of, I don't want to say used your clout, but how have you taken that sort of idea of accessibility further within your more recent or your works that weren't associated with Life after, Under Democracy? Why do I, I don't know why I keep messing up that title. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Life Under Democracy. I know you mentioned earlier when we were speaking, we weren't recording but um, we were talking about your sort of passion for music. Yes. And you were saying that when you were in the US, am I yeah. correct? Yeah. You were shooting a lot of live music. Is that something that you are passionate about still? Well, going back to the whole musical thing, yeah. um, I did play guitar when I was growing up. Yes. So yeah. it was also one of my passions. I had a, a band when I was 15. Yeah. Made a lot of noise in the neighborhood, played some parties. Yeah. And I kind of gave it a miss for a while. When I got to LA, there was a guitar lying in the corner and mm -hmm. started playing again. And the roommates, also another South African, we started jamming together and that grew and grew. And then eventually I was buying electric guitars and amplifiers. And then yeah. a year later, we had a band, a seven, yeah. seven piece band, oh, which wow. we. we um, we had a lot of fun with it. It was more of like a hobby than anything mm. else, but a nice escape from the day-to-day -day stuff. Yeah, completely. And we would rehearse a couple of times a week and and play a lot of gigs uh, mm -hmm. throughout LA for that period of time. And one of the thrills, I think, was getting to photograph well-known musicians yeah. that I grew up listening to. Yeah. And I would say that one of my highlights in LA was getting to meet and photograph Frank Zappa. Yeah, I actually, I was going to ask you about this because my dad has um, told me in no uncertain terms, am I allowed to meet you and not ask you about that? Because yes. he's a big fan. So what was, how, how did that happen? How did that come about? Well, I think it was just my lucky day, really. Yeah. Uh, I was freelancing at the time. Yeah. Just in terms of my career, so I was freelancing for newspapers when I got to LA, mm -hmm. um, Los Angeles Times. At that point, the, the media companies were quite vibrant. Yeah. This was before the whole internet thing kind of took over. So yeah. 
there was quite a lot of work available, even for somebody like myself who was an outsider, but I did have a strong portfolio from my South African days. Yes, yeah. And I, I didn't have a problem getting work. Yeah. Uh, eventually, that's, that wasn't enough, and it kind of slowed down, and I had to look in other ways to, to make money and also mm -hmm. to, to keep myself busy. Yeah. And sort of veered off towards freelancing for magazines and places like that. Yeah, okay. Uh, one of the places that I freelanced for was a weekly newspaper called The Reader. There were two main newspapers in, it was the LA Weekly and the, and the LA Reader. Yeah. And I did occasional shoots for them. And they would just call on their freelancers at any given time. And mm. I got a call one day asking if I was interested in going to photograph Frank Zappa. And I didn't have to think about yeah. that for very long. I was about to say, what was your reaction to that? Yes. Well, I just couldn't believe. Yeah. I just couldn't believe it. I mean, it was one of, I don't have too many heroes in this world. And I wouldn't really call him a hero, but a lot of admiration for yes, yeah. the kind of music that he made. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't really know that much about Frank Zappa. Yeah. And he, he was kind of stereotyped as a sort of druggy and this and that and crude, yeah. but there's a hell of a lot more to him than, than that. And it was just my luck that, that I was I got that call and had a fantastic afternoon at his place in, I think it was Beverly Hills, in one of those sort of incredible places up mm. on the mountains where we hung out for the afternoon. Obviously, he was being interviewed at the same time, yeah. but I also had the opportunity to spend a bit of time and do a few portraits of him, which uh, was incredible. He showed us around his studio. He uh, gave us a tour of Dweezil, that's his son's yeah. studio. There were about 14 or 15 guitars all lined Jeez. up. In fact, his son, since Frank Zappa passed away, mm. his son is also an incredible musician and did some tours just playing his father's music, yeah. uh, which is quite amazing. I so can. I would say musically and personality-wise, that was probably one of my highlights yeah. um, of, of photographing in, in California. I can, um, I mean, I can imagine be just being in his presence. Like, it, for, I mean, for me, my understanding of Frank Zappa is just the influence that he's had. And he is. He's so influential on so many other musicians that I love and I grew up listening to. Yeah. So I can imagine just being within that presence must have been... I don't know. I, I tend to get starstruck. I think it was just uh, beyond reality. Yeah, I just just yeah. didn't feel real at the time. Yeah. I mean, it was it was very real, and he was, you know, quite chilled. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Um, a and yeah, person. unfortunately, he got he got sick probably a year later and didn't didn't make it. Was it that that close together? I didn't realize you you photographing him and meeting him to him. Yeah, it was on. it was about one or two years. Oh wow. Yeah, so, and there are not that many sort of casual photographs of him. There are, there are yeah. images like done in studio for his albums and yeah. things like that. But the image that I seemed to to get was a sort of more casual image at his house. Yeah. It was a, a stairway leading down to his garden mm. where I positioned him. And, yeah, it was, it was a great memory. Mm. And I'll definitely link that in the um, the show notes. But um, so jumping off from that sort of experience, did that 
I know you mentioned that you um, you obviously have a passion for music and you you played music yourself. Um, did you sort of pursue or push to photograph more musicians within your career at the time? Well, I didn't really. I wasn't really known as a, a music photographer because mm. I, I also enjoyed doing lots of other things. Yeah. So when yeah. the when the opportunity came around, then I would do it. You yeah. know, whether it was shooting a Rolling Stones concert or. But everything's very controlled, you know. Where yes, of course. With, with Frank Zappa, I had that access, and I, yeah. it was a very personal meeting at his house. Yeah. Whereas, like the Rolling Stones, is just so massive. Mm. You know, even with the press pass, you sort of huddled in there, you loud sort of near the stage for three songs, and then you got to leave, type of thing. It's so not... that there were those kind of yeah. frustrating moments, but there were other times where I got to meet and photograph sort of more intimately people like. Uh, from the Talking Heads and oh, just wow. various other bands. And a good yeah. friend of ours was, who still lives in Joshua Tree, Robbie Robb, who mm. some people might remember from the Asylum Kids in the 80s. He's yeah. out there and when I've been back to visit, I always go and look him up and he's creating amazing music over there. Uh, so there's quite a strong connection with, with music and, and photography. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that. There does seem to be quite a um quite a connection because i mean i suppose as a musician you're you're imparting emotion or a feeling or just a moment of sort of relaxation ecstasy anger whatever your music sort of has an intent to provoke in other people and photography is the same sort of thing i mean you have intention and you keep your intention within your mind when you're making your images just Jumping from LA to coming back to South Africa, mm. should we just talk about that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <It's so kind. laughs> well, it was 1996. The mm. election, the first democratic election, happened in '94 in South Africa. Yeah. When I left South Africa, I wasn't really thinking that I was leaving forever. I was, yeah. I wasn't sure, and a lot of people weren't sure what was going to happen. But uh, even though I was having a great time in LA. Obviously, there was a lot of things to figure out and trying to find work and all that, but it was an enlightening time mm -hmm. when the processes started happening and the elections happened in 94. Yeah. Uh, I figured, well, you know, finally South Africa is, I wouldn't say free, but at least there's elections happening and yeah. there's, there's a lot more hope now. Yeah. And I think it was two years later I decided that it was time to come home. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of things that I missed about South Africa, yeah. um, including family was still here yeah. and things like that. So I decided to come back to, not to Johannesburg, but straight to Cape Town. Mm -hmm. And I've been here ever since, so that's 20, 21 or 22 years. Jeez. Um, and then in terms of my work process, mm. it was almost starting again. Yeah. But uh, again, I had a great portfolio from my time in, yeah. in the States. And at, at that particular time as well, the magazine industry was quite buoyant still mm -hmm. um, before the internet came along. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I was lucky enough to get quite a lot of work through different magazines, even yeah. the magazines that are around today, like Fair Lady and some of the women's magazines, uh, yeah. which, was, which was a lot of fun. Did some great portraits. Uh, that was sort of also a little bit of a change of direction. And then in uh, 
1999, I met up with a, an artist, Arlene Amala Raviv, mm-hmm. who's a painter who had a studio in Long Street. Yeah. And we just got chatting and I just loved her work. She thought I was okay. <laughs> and uh, we just started chatting and we thought, yeah. well, maybe we should work together somehow and combine painting and photography, which, yeah. which we started working on. And in 2000, we had our first show together, a collaborative show. Mm-hmm. And that was quite a big change in my direction, thinking, well, do I really need to do all this magazine work, which was kind of yeah. starting to dry up and sort of reaching or fetching decent amounts for artwork. I thought, yeah. well, okay, that's, maybe that's the way to go. Yeah. And I think with, with the show that we, we did together, the first show really sort of built that confidence in this sort of art world to, to carry on with my own thing. Yeah. And it was from then on, we worked together producing like three or four shows together and in between also doing my own projects. Yeah. So that, I think, was a turnaround in, in the career, kind of looking at things a bit differently. Yeah, completely. And throughout that time, if uh, if you look at the website, there'll be a lot of different projects from yeah. 2000 going from uh, Reality Bites, which was yeah. uh, also a digital take on reality, which mm-hmm. was kind of referencing my photojournalism and documentary days, but kind of having a bit of fun with it. Yeah. And creating some of my own realities out of uh, found and set up objects. Yeah. Um, then to I Am, which was about a th- sort of immigrants and mm. people from Zimbabwe and Malawi. Yeah. And so the projects just carried on. Do you, um, I know that when we were, we were having a conversation, we sort of stopped for a while to have a break. And we were having a conversation about, um, what was it, like sort of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, I know that you mentioned that you you sort of feel that you, um, you're like almost like your work suffers when you're, comfort, when you're comfortable. Or was it that? What were we... Well, let's... Yeah, yeah, I think comfort zone is, yeah. is, is one way of looking at it. Um, I don't think I've ever been in a comfort zone. Okay. Because yeah. every, every project that I do has to kind of excite me and whether I'm, I'm approaching it differently or whether I'm printing it differently or yeah. photographing it differently, there, there is a thread through, yes, through yeah. the work yeah. which I don't see as clearly as some people can kind yeah. of point out to me. But, uh, you know, I've been told that some of my work is recognizable. I don't know um, if I should believe that or not. But, I mean, it's nice to know that, that there is some sort of thread that, yeah. that can be linked to. And, and strangely enough, that people say that the humorous uh, part of, of, of me comes out in, in some, of those, some of those works, yeah. which, which, which is kind of nice because... Uh, as much as I take my work seriously, I, I, I try not to take it too seriously yeah. either and take myself too seriously. So there are those kind of happy, strange, I'd say sort of... Connections. Yeah, almost. connections yeah. between human life and politics no, and completely. all of that. But I mean, if you're not, I suppose if you're not looking for little bits of, like you said earlier, hope and I suppose humour in this sense, then... It's sort of a dull, a very dull 
existence that you yeah. need, you know? Yeah, we, we need we need humor. Yeah, definitely. Most days. Yeah, most days. Most yeah. days we most do. Days. But uh, you were asking about sort of pushing and getting out of the comfort zone. Yes, yeah. But I found um, intrinsically I'm quite a sharp person mm. and pretty quiet as well. So all this talking is actually very unusual for me. I don't talk that much. And we do appreciate you being here I'm, and I'm doing my talking best. a lot. I'm doing at my us. best here, <laughs> rambling on. No, please keep rambling. Okay, yeah. let's see now. I can ramble on about just kind of pushing myself where yeah. if you find yourself as a shy type of person, yeah, and the opportunities can can disappear quite quickly. Yeah, and uh, the the times where I've had to push myself to either get an image or talk my way into a place yes, yeah. have always paid off for me. Okay, not every time, but a lot of the times. One example is also going back to the music connection mm. with uh, one of my favorite artists, James McMurtry. Yeah. I'd seen him for the first time in LA, sort of around 95, mm -hmm. and just loved his music. And I went on a, a three-month residency to Cleveland about three, four years ago. Yeah. And while I was deciding whether I should do it or not, uh, I looked up what concerts were going to be around in Cleveland at yeah. the time and saw that he was going to be doing a show in Cincinnati. Yeah. So I decided, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm going to Cleveland. Is that your selling point? Yeah, that was my selling point. <laughs> but it was a very interesting yeah. journey. It was called uh, Knocking on Cleveland's Door. It yeah. ended up being a, an exhibition. And also, in return, I got to teach high school kids, uh, photography, mm -hmm. uh, using the cell phone and just interacting with them. So that was quite an interesting residency. But back to yeah. James McMurtry, I thought it just personally, I would love to, to do a photograph of him Yeah. and contacted his agents about two, three weeks before the time. Mm -hmm. So I got my ticket. Cincinnati was about four or five hours away from Cleveland. Yeah and wrote him, gave him all my background of who I was and the agents or the managing uh, managers had said, sorry, you know, we can't allow this, it's, he's too busy. Um, I just yeah, wanted course. five minutes yeah. to just to do a picture before the show started and basically I was turned down. So anyway, I decided, okay, well, I'm just, I'm going to the concert anyway and I showed mm -hmm. up in Cincinnati about four in the afternoon, went to the theater, because I know that they always do a sound check, yeah. knocked on the door and explained who I was and said, is it possible for me to come in and do a quick picture? The guy disappeared and came back uh, five minutes later to say, okay, you can come back in in an hour yeah. and, and we'll let you in. So uh, I was just so excited. So yeah, I can I, imagine. I walked in there. There was James McMurtry on the stage kind of tuning his guitar. And we had a quick chat, offered me a glass of wine. Jeez. And, you know, he's very laid back. And I didn't want to do anything very specific or uh, set up. So, mm. you know, I just said, just do your own thing. And while he was busy doing his sound check, I, I just very quietly photographed a few images of yeah. him and that was the picture that I really wanted. So it just kind of taught me that same old lesson again that if you really want something, you know, you just mm. need to push beyond those official boundaries yeah. a little and and you you can get lucky and that's happened to me quite a few times. Yeah. 
So yeah, nice I mean, lesson to to know. It's all about the energy, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, and that's what I enjoy about photography and and making images and working on different projects is yeah. that sort of photography can be quite um, technical and um, thought out and, yeah. and and I enjoy the spontaneous moments that come around with photography especially working on the street mm. and like today is a great example yeah. uh, I had to go to the harbour in Hart Bay where I live mm-hmm. and I noticed this old derelict house near Hunclip yeah. somebody had written demon house on it which is quite weird. Lovely. It looked like yeah. a picture out of uh, Roger Ballin's uh, series. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I thought, that's that's kind of interesting. I don't know why. It's uh, I need to photograph it. Yeah. I've driven past it a few times, but today it was overcast, and I just thought, okay, this is kind of cool. And I was photographing the building, obviously looking over my shoulder because yeah, you know things things are a bit scary out there when, you, mm-hmm. when you've got a camera, yeah. even though my camera is quite small. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, it's, these days, you've got to just be super careful with, yeah. no, with photographing the street and it's become hard and harder. But anyway, it is my sort of territory and I, I felt okay. Yeah. And took a couple of pictures and then I thought, okay, there's a picture of a building, you yeah. know, whatever. And then suddenly this guy shows up who I've known for many years. He's, he lives in that area. Yeah. He looks homeless, but he's, I think he's got a place to stay. Okay, but yeah. quite interesting and he was wearing this big coat and I thought you know he's just showing up at the exact right moment you know That's we sick. had a little chat and I said yeah. do you mind if I take a picture of you and he said no and he kind of sat there and he talked there and I was speaking yeah. to him and it shot and he just arrived at the perfect time and the whole picture just kind of came together yeah. well I haven't I've just seen it on my camera but I'm, I'm sure you know you get that feeling when something comes yeah, together know. and yeah. it doesn't happen every time and it's just yeah. That that energy is, is what 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 I get a thrill out of is when oh, things kind of come together and it's it's very very spontaneous. So yeah, I guess with any career and any any arts yeah. or creative process, you have those those ups and downs. But you it's those ups that really exactly. kind of make you believe like yeah. there's you know there's something interesting going you on. Yeah. Keep keep going. Yeah, keep working. But that's um, is that is that some, one of the one of the draws for you towards street photography? Is that um, almost like like you said, there's a technical skill involved in photography, and there's planning, but there's moments where you that you can't plan for. Yeah. And those moments are like you said that that almost like ping moment. Yeah, those those, those the, are the moments that you kind of yeah. live for really, and it's also I think it's intuition, um, and and just time and how you observe and your personality because yeah. you're never quite sure what's going to happen and sometimes you have to be very patient you know no, completely. If, you, if you look at a lot of the great street photographers they didn't just happen to be in the right place at the right time they, yeah. they kind of spent time there they weren't looking at the obvious things they were going behind the scenes yeah. you know a lot of the times I think the picture kind of happens either before or after the events and not yeah. during so they're all of those things to consider when yeah. when kind of going out and photographing and um, yeah, so it's, there's a lot of magic to it as well. Yeah, and it sort of pushes you out of your your comfort zone, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. and then and a lot of times, the, you know, the ideas I don't sort of sort of sit around and you know read a lot of newspapers or mm. 
watch Instagram and yeah. try get ideas like what's currently out there. It's a lot of a lot of the projects and things just come in a sort of flash. Yeah. With, for instance, the um, I Am series yeah. on illegal immigrants or immigrants from Zimbabwe, Malawi, and yeah. places like that. That all started with a, a personal note that was written and hanging in a Seven Eleven on a notice board. Somebody mm. looking for work. Mm. So it was just that single note that inspired me to go and research a bit further and look at some of the other notes and then find yeah. out where where are people looking for work, how they're yeah. getting processed, and that led to one thing led to another, and eventually I was deep into this project of, of looking, but in a different kind of way. Yeah. And I think photographers kind of get caught up with either getting ideas from someone else yeah. or thinking, well, that's been done, you know, why even bother? Yeah. But there, there's room for, for everything and there's, everyone's got their own way of expressing yeah, ideas and their own take on on how to to communicate their ideas across. So, yeah. so yeah, there's... There's plenty of scope yeah. out there. I suppose it's your your creative process, your your eye, essentially. That's the that's the thing that sets you apart from every other creative. Well, yeah, Everyone I guess. Uh, I mean, I think it's yeah, it's just about communication and yeah, okay. how you're looking at things yeah. and just being aware. Yeah. You know, just all the time in your own environment, especially. Mm. And I think I said to you. That you don't have to travel very far. I mean, there's some amazing places out there in the world, but a lot of the interesting images that I've seen or photographed mm. have been in my own backyard. Yeah. Or close to home. This is Ormsair, and I'm your host, Rachel Reeves. Don't forget that subscribing to our podcast on iTunes or your favorite listening app is the quickest and easiest way to give us a long distance high five and to let us know that you enjoy hanging out in our creative space. Yeah, I mean, on the social side, I don't know if you want to talk about any of that, but uh, mm. yeah, I'm not very proactive on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. I tried Instagram. People were telling me for years you've got to go on Instagram, and yeah, I've yeah, I've kept it kind of low key. Did some posts last year and then stopped in October, so this will be my first post mm. for a while. Okay, cool. I think it's, I think like, I don't want to say um, older generation, but I, I think social media is such a, it's not a new thing, but the way that, um, the way that artists and creative use it nowadays, it's such a new concept. Like it hasn't, it's sort of um, like, it's in essence, this is why people have social media managers, because it is, it's a lot to wrap your brain around having yeah. to switch your focus from you as a person to you as a brand, you know, that whole thing. Yes. I don't know, I find that very confusing and I'm a social media manager, so, you know, it's, it's a lot. You know, occasionally I'll go onto Instagram if somebody sends me a link or, mm. but it's, there's just a limit to how much I can take in. I'd rather be creating than taking in. Yeah, but that's exactly it. I always love going to good exhibitions and yeah. seeing what people are doing, but there's, there's just, just like way too much because you, you're trying to decipher yeah. Half the yeah. time, like, what is it? Is it I'm looking at? Is it good? Can I judge it on a little screen? Yeah. You know, there's there's just there's just so much. Yeah. And it, it makes it makes things, you know, it's good in some ways, but it's mm. not good in other ways. 
But I mean, like Jess, sorry, Jess and I had a conversation about this um, in the first episode of the podcast, where she was saying um, she shifted her focus from consuming content that was like nourishing for what she wants to create and then junk food content. And Mm. I love that idea of junk food content because I think a lot of social media, as we interact with it, is junk food content. It's not nurturing us. It's not helping us grow. And the difference, I mean, you mentioned that you you still enjoy going to galleries. It's such a it's such a different experience because Instagram you have to shift you have to sift through all of the stuff that's actually meaningful and that yes. will actually help you grow or think differently or inspire you. Whereas yeah. going to one show is you know what I mean? It's exactly. very it's focused. Exactly. And that's the difference. I've always believed in sort of mm. live entertainment, you know? Yeah, a completely to, to music or theatre or yeah. Yeah. Or art as well. You know, there's just nothing, or even a conversation. Yeah. Be, nothing beats no, face sitting to face. face to exactly. face, seeing the person yeah. interacting rather than on WhatsApp. And yeah. I mean, it, everything's got its place, but it's, mm. I think society's going to have to find their way. But that is, that is exactly that's what, what it is. That's what we're doing now, is yeah. trying to figure out finding that balance. Yeah. Of you know what's working, what's not working, because yeah. there is a lot of power to it. But you know, as always, the humans always tend to um, overuse overuse it mm. or use it for the wrong reasons. Where is that um, that quote from? With great power comes great responsibility. I think we... the, other, the other word that comes up for me is yeah. um, regurgitation. Okay, yeah. And that's like which is something that I really don't enjoy. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to even exhibitions, where I can see somebody hasn't spent enough time mm. thinking about what they're doing. Yeah. And you know, it kind of looks like they've done the whole exhibition in an afternoon shoot. Mm. There's not much thought process behind it. Yeah. Um, I, I really believe in spending a lot of time with things. Yeah. So a lot of my series and work that I do. I spend a fortune of time thinking about uh, going through the process of developing mm. it and don't have this super urge to share yeah. while I'm working. I yeah. mean, I think sometimes it's okay to, to you know, put out a few things about the process, but generally I like to keep it between myself and my cat, yeah. uh, <laughs> Purdy, who couldn't be here today. Oh, Purdy. But, uh, she sends her regards. And uh, I've spent a lot of of time photographing her lately. I'm thinking of doing a new series just on her. You should. Yeah, because I know people like cat pictures. They do, yes. I mean, I feel like you could could just fill your Instagram channel with Purdy. I might do that, actually. Yeah, I mean... But I kind of want to keep her a secret because she's just so lovely. Somebody might come and steal her. Anyway, but uh, (laughs) she was happy that I could do the interview today. Yeah. Yeah, I was just saying the... Uh, the regurgitation. So yeah. there's a lot on social media that's just regurgitation. Yeah, it's, exactly. There's no, there's very little original thoughts. Yeah, occasionally mm-hmm. people will share something and post something that you haven't seen. Yeah. But you have to go through a hell of a lot of stuff to. So when I do a post, I try not to regurgitate. Yeah. And try to uh, just create something original, even if it's like a 10-second video. Yeah. I just, for my own sake, want it to be something new. No, completely. Um, it's fine to share older stuff mm. and there's place for all of that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just a process and I'm, I think I'll figure it out eventually. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think, I think um, 
a friend of mine uses the analogy of spoons. So your brain space, essentially you have so many spoons that you are able to balance without everything sort of falling over, like tipping over. Mm. And I think um, social media is very much, especially with the creative mind, your creative mind needs a lot of spoons to sort of, and a lot of space and freedom to like balance yourself and keep your creativity fresh and not regurgitated, like you said. Yeah. And I think that social media clouds that a lot for a lot of people. Yeah. Because it is, I mean, it's a lot of information all the time. Yeah. And if you, um, as you as you refer to yourself, uh, sort of as a, more of an introverted person, mm. I think as introverts, we do need a lot more quiet and a lot more alone time to sort of recuperate what's been spent by, again, like sort of giving a lot of yourself, especially as a creative. Yeah. You can imagine like sharing your work must be almost akin to sharing like a child or something with the world. And maybe it's not about the, the feedback that you receive, but it's more about the, the pressure of sharing like a moment or a part of you. I don't know if that, if that rings true for you at all. But I think, yeah, I don't know, social media wise, that's how I feel about, well, I feel a lot of people sort of relate to it. Because it is, it's, it's taxing. Mm. It's completely exhausting, to be quite honest. But yeah, exciting as yeah. well. Cause yes, it's, completely, yeah. It's a whole new thing to, yeah, and it's, to it's, look at. It's exciting, and if you if you can make it work for you, then it can be so beneficial. Yeah, of course. You know, unfortunately, a lot of these commercial ventures mm. end up just being a pain because people are trying to make the most money out of it. Yeah. So it can get irritating. Yeah. You know, completely. you sort of interested in one thing, and all of a sudden you're seeing, you know, ads because you're being interested thrown at you in because this. yeah, and you just feel like you've been chased around. Yeah. Having to buy something. Yeah. So and, that's, that's the downside. And when you mention things in conversation on your phone, we have this a lot in our, in our office where you mention something in passing um, and your phone then displays adverts to you of that thing that you mentioned that yeah, you have never so searched. Yes, terrifying. Yeah. I mean, it's exciting because technology is progressing so rapidly, but at the same time, it, it, it is quite scary. One of my passions is collecting Mm. If you ever came to my place or anybody who's seen mm. my place, you'll see that I'm a avid collector of things. Yeah. Some call me a hoarder, but I'm actually a collector. <laughs> Where is the line between hoarding and collection? <laughs> yeah. Collecting. But I, I love old things. I yeah. love cameras, old cameras. Yeah. I collect tins, advertising uh, related stuff. In fact, I'm, now that I think about it, quite a few of my recent works are even based on signage and yeah things like that yeah. uh, there's and in terms of projects there's a project which i won't talk about much but mm -hmm. i've now been on it for four or five years okay yeah and eventually that will that'll happen it's, i think it's about 90 percent there yeah and it's uh, so i'm excited to mm. get that out and another new idea that came around about two months ago mm. which involves a lot more technical Mm -hmm. stuff it's like building things and introducing electronics yeah um with motors and lights and so yeah. every day is like a learning curve for me trying to trying to figure out how to do things and yeah. finding the right people to to help me achieve this but i'm i'm getting close with that one too that sounds exciting yeah. and then we'll i mean please please when you are happy with those to be shared please do share them with us yeah and we'll as be sure as, as soon to as share I know, them like, with our, what's, what's going on with it with our listeners yeah at the moment it's just uh not showing very much except for a, 
uh, one image, mm -hmm. which is almost like a construction installation. Yeah. Although it's a photography gallery in Cape Town, it opens on the 13th of June, mm -hmm. and there are 24 photographers involved in this. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, the exhibition's called Unforeseen Landscapes, and it talks about man's connection or challenge with yeah. the environment and how we interact and and uh, it's quite an interesting show of everyone's every photographer's mm. take on how they see themselves within the environment yeah i can or, that sounds fascinating so that's that's coming up i'm looking forward to that and then do you know how long that's on for uh, that should be on for seven or eight weeks okay cool yeah so probably through the end of july okay great middle of august i would say okay great yeah. And yeah, you and can give out some info on that at the time. Yeah. We'll definitely be sure to link all information to that in the show notes. Which creative or creatives within or outside of your own field of expertise or industry inspires you or helps to feed your creativity? And I know you said that you don't like regurgitation, but maybe it's not regurgitation, it's more um, inspiration or... Yeah. Nourishment. Well, is there are there any people that you you draw inspiration from? The inspiration comes from strange places, you know. Yeah. Um, and not so much photography. I think it yeah. comes from day to day stuff. Okay. You know, if I, if I'm just observing somebody doing what could be just a really boring job. Yeah. But they're doing it in a, just a, an incredible way that mm. they're taking it seriously, whether it's a car guard, whether it's a cleaner, you know, just yeah. your sort of low, as, as it's known as low level sort of jobs. Yeah. But they, they're passionate about what they're doing and yeah. they're not carrying the world on their shoulders. Yeah. For me, that's kind of inspiring, you know. It makes like me feel lucky to be doing what I'm doing because yeah. I've got this ticket to kind of go and do what I do. But obviously, I've managed my career and, and try and focus on the things that bring me joy. Yeah. Um, yeah. rather than just sitting around bitching about things all the time. Yeah. Uh, just stay with the joy side. I mean, it's not always fun and games, but yeah, that's of course. What, you know, you try and find that balance of... So that is inspiration comes from those sort of encounters. Mm -hmm. It comes from music. I think yeah. anybody out there sort of pushing themselves, doing great work, yeah. whether it's an architect or a musician, yeah, yeah anything like that yeah. would, would be my inspiration and obviously uh, my father who's 92 now he's still around oh, wow. still photographing on his cell phone oh wow and yeah so he's you know my ongoing inspiration yeah. just to keep going and yeah his support and believability in me yeah he's always been there and it's you know it's always a very important part of my career and yeah. in my life including close friends as well who yeah. who I connect with who who you know who sort of can see uh, clearly like what I'm doing and, yeah. and appreciate the kind of time and effort that I put into things to make it perfect but not too perfect because I don't mm. like things that are too slick either yeah there's got to be a little bit of a unknown and edge mm. to it so th I think those are the things that I get in inspiration from Okay. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. Sure. So it sort of is the time of the, the podcast where I, I, I say thank you. 
a big thank you goes to Dale Udelman for joining us and for being present and a part of our conversation today. Thank you so much for being here, Dale. And thank you for sharing so much of your wisdom and your experience with us. Um, I know that our listeners are hanging on every single word completely, just as Jess and I have been. So thank you very much for being here. It's an absolute pleasure. I hope I made some sense. No, of course. Yes. And then a big thank you, of course, goes to Jess Semple, um, our producer extraordinaire. Thank you so much, Jess, for being here and for everything else that you do. That's it for us. So can we roll the outro? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Thank you for joining us in conversation with Dale Uderman. Just a reminder that this is part two of the conversation we had with Dale. If you'd like to check out part one, head on over to that now. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Orms Air, the Orms podcast. I hope you've enjoyed being a part of the conversation as much as we've enjoyed having you. If you have any questions, feedback, or suggestions for us, please get in touch by emailing ormsair at orms.co.za. Head on over to ormsair.buzzsprout.com and take a peek at this week's show notes for more information on any works referenced or topics discussed in this week's episode. If you've enjoyed this episode of Orms Air and feel that someone you know could be creatively enriched by joining us in conversation, Why not share this episode with them and invite them to join our photographic community? Until next week, keep questioning, keep inspiring, and above all, keep creating.